0: Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary, and not guaranteed. Hey, this is Duray, and welcome to Boss Save the People. This week, it's me, Diara, and Kaya talking about the underreported news of the week. And it's MLK Day! So we deep dive into his dream, legacy, and our thoughts on the current state of being black people in the U.S. It's a fun combo. We're back with interviews next week. Let's go! My advice for this week is the same advice every MLK day. Remember, MLK was a revolutionary and was radical. What does it mean to be a revolutionary? A revolutionary is somebody who has a different expectation for this world. So we expect that everybody can have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that the police should not kill you. Those different expectations often seem really intense to people given the status quo. But a revolutionary just says, I have different expectations about this world. And radical means that I'm willing to fight for them. Here we go.
1: Family, welcome to another version of Pod Save the People. So happy you can join us again. I'm Diara Ballinger. You can find me on Instagram at Diara Ballinger.
2: I'm Kaya Henderson. You can find me on Twitter at Henderson Kaya.
1: And this is Duray at Diara on Twitter. Well, it is the month of great Capricorns. <laughs> you know, myself Mary J Blige and Martin <laughs> Luther the King Jr.
2: That's hilarious. <laughs> Mary Diara and Martin. Mhm. My new I mean uh, my new triple threat. Listen. Thread.
1: <laughs> you can always count on a capricorn, okay? You can always count on a capricorn. Keep us around. So, I'm still continuing with my birthday week which I share and have shared with the late great Dr. Martin Luther the King. Um, and so, you know, I think MLK Day is always a day that brings me joy, actually. You know, it, it, it is, there's often so much we can be in sorrow about and in anger about and in grief about. And although losing Martin, Martin Luther King, who I think he was like 36 or something when he passed, which is now an age that I am, that I am beyond, Yes, there are all the feels that go with it. I think one of the things that I've I've read through the years in terms of perspective on Martin Luther King and his passing is um, what Nikki Nikki Giovanni has wrote. And basically her response to it was, may the warriors in the streets go ever forth into the stores for guns and TVs or for whatever makes them happy. For only a happy people make a successful revolution and this day begins the Black revolution. And so I think even with the loss and later with, with, with Malcolm's loss, I think it was, you know, the turn to the, the Black arts movement, the Black Panther movement, um, movements that have enforced radical Black love and imagination and identity. And so, yeah, it's, it's a day that I look for, that I look towards and try to look towards um, with joy and hope.
0: My favorite um, King quote, he, he wrote, uh, Whites, it must frankly be said, are not putting in a similar mass effort to re-educate themselves out of their racial ignorance. It is an aspect of their sense of superiority that the white people of America believe they have so little to learn. The reality of substantial investment to assist Negroes into the 20th century, adjusting to Negro neighbors, and genuine school integration is still a nightmare for all too many white Americans. And, I mean... Here we
2: are. I have a similar um, radical... I like the radical king. I think that we, you know, America likes to lionize the peaceful king and the nonviolent king and the, you know, whatever. But that's not the only king there was. King was frustrated. King was angry. King was a whole lot of things. And my favorite King quote is similar to yours, DeRay. And to me, it feels really appropriate for the moment because at a time where we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in a lot of organizations and institutions and equity in a lot of our educational systems, and we see tremendous pushback, right, Um, This is the King quote. It's, It's from his book, Where Do We Go From Here? in 1967, which is one of the, which is I think the last book that he wrote before he was assassinated. But he says, why is equality so assiduously avoided? Why does white America delude itself? And how does it rationalize the evil it retains? The majority of white Americans consider themselves sincerely committed to justice for the Negro. They believe that American society is essentially hospitable to fair play and to steady growth towards a middle class utopia embodying racial harmony. But unfortunately, that is a fantasy of self-deception and comfortable vanity. And like that's the I, I like the rowdy king, right? The king who is ready to call a spade a spade and 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 challenge white America to really like come to the table and do the work. Um so I I you know I have mixed feelings about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I feel like, yep, I'm excited that, you know, as a community, we got ourselves a Black holiday. Shout out to Juneteenth, which we just just got. But, you know, I want people to know the real king, not just the king that we put in children's books. I want people to really understand what he was calling America to do, how he challenged our institutions, like the rowdy king. That's my man. Speaking of the rowdy king, there was also the loving king <laughs> who based <laughs> That was a segue, boo. That was a segue. <laughs> who all of his rowdiness and all of his work was rooted in a deep love for people and a deep love for this country, a deep love for the ideals of who we can be. Um but we don't one of the things that also drives me a little bit crazy about our portrayals about Martin Luther King is, we don't see him as a person. He's this great orator. He's this great preacher. He's this great leader. But we rarely see him as a dad, a husband, or whatever. In fact, one of my favorite things during the month of January is there are a series of pictures that show Martin Luther King and his family on vacation in Jamaica. And I think they were in like Ebony or Jet uh, back in the 60s. And somehow or another, we got our hands on these pictures. And so, you know, I have one of those televisions where you can put up pictures on your screen for when the TV's not on. And so during the month of January, I have all of these pictures of Martin Luther King reading the paper with his wife having breakfast at the pool with his wife and his kids Um, recreating and enjoying himself because I think it's important for us to see our leaders and our heroes as people. And one of the things that, one of the ways that we um, are newly uh, asked to consider king is through a statue that was just unveiled on Friday in Boston, in the Freedom Plaza of the Boston Common, which is widely known as America's first public park. The statue is called the Embrace, and it is a 22-foot-tall bronze sculpture that uh, was designed by artist Hank Willis Thomas. And it depicts the hug between Dr. King and Mrs. Coretta Scott King after he won the Nobel Peace Fra- Prize in 1964. It's a $10 million statue. It's the first monument to be built on the Boston Common in 60 years. And there's an organization called Embrace Boston, uh, which has spearheaded the installation of this um, memorial. And, you know, it's huge. It's 22 feet. Visitors can walk inside and feel like they're standing in the center of a hug. The hug is supposed to convey both vulnerability and security. It's um, supposed to depict the power of Black women supporting movements in the United States. And it's a bit of an homage to the fact that uh, Mr. and Mrs., Dr. and Mrs. King met and fell in love in Boston. And um, and that is a part, while he was studying at uh, Boston University, working on his PhD. And that is, you know, a story that not everybody knows. And so this is a very important monument and i think everybody thought this is going to be great it's going to be wonderful we've got a new king monument and there has been tremendous negative backlash to the embrace um there are people who have asked why does it just include the arms and not the faces of how do you even know what this is about and if you don't see a picture of the embrace you actually don't know that that's what it is depicting um there are people who say 10 million dollars is too much to have spent on a statue and that that is not what Dr. King would have wanted to spend 10 million dollars on that, that money could have been used to help poor people but perhaps the most spirited debate on the socials and in other places is about the fact that from certain angles, the statue looks phallic. And so there's been a whole lot of hullabaloo all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over Facebook about the fact that this thing does not look like a hug. It might look like a whole bunch of other things, but it does not look like a hug. And it is a... um, a failure of public art, says some folks. In fact, I saw a post on Twitter by Melinda D. Anderson who says, art is in the eye of the beholder, but if you commission and install a piece of public art and you need to see an original photo next to the sculpture to understand what you're looking at, otherwise it's justifiably ridiculed for looking phallic, then the art has failed, in my humble opinion." And so <clears throat> there's a lot of controversy around this thing. And, you know, when I picked this news last week, I thought, here's a lovely little tribute to Martin Luther King that we can talk about and whatnot. Uh, but as is the case, I think there's controversy around everything. So I, for one, can't wait to get to Boston to see it for myself in person, to see, you know, how it moves my spirit or not, or whether I end up agreeing and thinking that it just looks phallic, Um but that's my news for this week. I want to
0: see it, Kaya. I will, you know, when I first saw it, Hank has done a lot of incredible public installations. And this one was a challenge. It was, you know, I saw, I like saw the reference photo. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And then I'm like, I see what other people are saying that it looks like sex. It looks like, it looks like a lot of things. And Black Twitter, you know, Black Twitter was quick. It was like, <laughs> oh no, Um, so we will, we'll see, but yikes.
1: I will say that Hank Willis Thomas is a gift to my generation. Thank Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth for him and his work and what he has done for (laughs) decades now. The man's my age, but for decades, Hank has been challenging this institution. And opening up doors for folks of color, particularly Black artists, Black curators, his work has always pushed the envelope. It's always been about Black representation in media as commodity, what happens to Black bodies. So one, Black Twitter, please just first, for you get out here talking and giving all kinds of art critiques, look at this man's body of work because it is... It is prolific,
0: and one hundred percent. People love some of his other public installations: the fist, the the pick. The they don't even know it's all his of name. it.
1: He yeah. he. Listen, he. Come on now, I love it. come on, I love people. It. I love it. And I, I think, and I think, if there is any deep meaning around sexuality and around love and around passion, it's because he is married to one of the most beautiful brilliant, incredible, also gems of my generation, Rujeka Hoakley, who is amazing and is a curator at the Whitney, who has also opened up doors and, and pulled people through those doors with her, has made sure that artists that look like us and believe in us and are looking at Black bodies beyond Black identity are in institutions and beyond. So these two, ruin and Hank, if there was a war for black excellence, y'all would be at the top of the list y'all would be at the top of the list so if anyone has any issue, you can find me at the <laughs> on Instagram I love it I love it
2: I love it this is she why said, this is she wh- said come to come so no, she said come for me because I got something for you this is why I love the pod because you always learn something new and there's always a challenge there's always this it's the rowdy King spirit I like it <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> I love it. She said, come to me (laughs) if you got something to say.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, my news is also in the vein of Black art, okay? So my company, My has had the great, insane pleasure and honor of being able to support a film called Saint-Omer. And so Saint-Omer is a French film. Blackity, Blackety French film, though. The director, Alice Diop, is Senegalese, but French, Parisian. Um, and she's been a docu- documentarian for quite some time and has done really incredible groundbreaking um, uh, and provocative documentaries around Black and African identity in in, in, in France and Paris. Um, but here comes this movie, which is actually based on a true story about a woman named Lawrence Kali, who was a student, an immigrant, an isolated woman, didn't have family and friends um, in France and ends up getting pregnant and ultimately gets a train ticket, goes to um, a place called Saint-Omer in France where there is a beach. She takes her baby out to the beach and lets the baby be washed away by the waves she leaves. The baby kind of comes back up on the tides, obviously um, with without life, and she is found and tried for the murder of her child. But what comes up in Alice's interpretation of this film is 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 an interrogation of motherhood, but it's also a, a, an understanding, a navigation of motherhood as a black mother, um, and so it it kind of takes you to a place where. You know, like in slavery times when, you know, and even the 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 story that Beloved is based off of, it's like, you know, do I want this baby growing up in this life under this oppressive um, system or is it better for this child not to be here? So it examines that, it examines expectations for Black women, and it is just visually gorgeous so she was inspired a lot by paintings and portraiture and so you know it's it's it is just such a, a a joy and a blessing to me like when i see film and i see photography or art whatever the the artistic medium is when there is when there is play and innovation to really explore blackness like in ways beyond that in ways beyond how we even understand ourselves and this is what this film is, and y'all, please go see it, because it is a work of art. Now, Alice is also the first Black woman to be nominated as a represent- representative of France for Best form Film for the Oscars, which makes perfect sense. I mean, I, we, we didn't we cover last year just they're finally putting Josephine Baker to rest in a place where she should be, so it's no surprise Alice is the first one. So, just wanted to bring this to the pod because I, it, is, it is happening now, it is timely, it is beautiful, it is about us. It is how we can, how we can explore ourselves beyond being in opposition to whiteness and explore the quietness and the creati-
2: creativity that is within us. So, please check it out.
0: We ain't seen it, but we will.
2: Thanks for bringing it to the pod. Is it in theaters?
1: It is it is it's in theaters now it's in theaters right now
2: I mean I think this is really interesting um for a couple reasons first of all um in my most recent trips to to France specifically to Paris the african presence is so front and center and nothing that you see in french sim- cinema Really portrays that at all. Um, you cannot walk through the streets of Paris without seeing black people, without hearing black music, without hearing. And not not when I say black, I don't just mean black American. I mean African. I mean Caribbean. I mean the whole gamut. And so, and you know, I think. Um, we are just starting to see what's the the thing that was on Netflix that i was sucked into about the gentleman robber um the french guy you know lupine lupine yes lupine lupine, lupine yes um which is an amazing series on Netflix um i think it's exciting that we're starting to see and learn the stories of of african black people who live in in france who are french who are i mean So, one, I'm sort of interested in it for that perspective. Two, um, examining and unpacking motherhood is just, I mean, we could do a whole show about that on so many um, accounts. And while we're on that, let me shout out the men's basketball team at Howard University for their MLK. Day uh, volunteerism, they have taken on the issue of Black maternal health and are doing a bunch of activities around that. So I think Black motherhood is a topic that's on everybody's minds. And then thirdly, it's awards season, right? And so shout out to St. Omer for uh, for being nominated uh, by the Oscar committee. That is big. I think, you know, we're on some whiplash after Oscars So White and... Golden Globes canceled last year and all of this stuff. Did you see the Golden Globes this year where literally every second person on the stage or getting an award was a person of color? I mean, at some point, I look, we are the bomb for show. But I was like, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> they said, y'all not going
0: to get us again. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> y'all not going to do
2: it. got us out of here one time no thanks and so i am excited that during this award season there seems to be more access for films with people of color in them or directed by them whatnot and um, and so yeah let's get in here and win it all i'm rooting for everybody black said my girl Issa ray and i co-signed on that
0: yeah i'm excited to see it i you know uh, I think these retellings are always really fascinating, so I couldn't make the premiere that you invited me to, but I'm going to go see it, boo, and I'm going to bring it back. I'm holding it down for the news that makes you want to burn something down. And mine is about the Pittsburgh Police Department. In 2021, they passed an ordinance that said the police could no longer enforce minor traffic violations, like an expired registration sticker or a poorly secured license plate, if that was the only infraction. Like, they couldn't, like, Pull people over, something like that. That was the only thing. And again, the idea is to minimize contact between the police and and drivers. And like, do you really need uh, somebody with a gun to tell you that the license plate is not screwed on right? Uh, and well, what's the news that the police have completely disregarded the law and are pulling over whoever they want to? And they are saying that it is because there is a quote change in state law. What is the change? Who knows? They don't say. But this is such a good example of the police not being accountable, even to mayors, city council. And according to their own data, Black residents only make up about 22% of the city population, but account for 42% of the population. And let me tell you, the police chief even acknowledged when pressed that one of the reasons for the reversal was to boost morale among the city's police ranks, that that the ordinance that says they can't just pull over anybody for random minor traffic traffic infractions actually is hurting their morale. Mind you, this is nothing about public safety. They ain't got no data that says that this makes the street safer, less safe, nothing. This is about power. And when I think about King, it was a reminder that we got to fight to make sure that there is a power balance and that these institutions, until we get rid of them, that they actually do have some accountability. And this blew my mind. I'm like, it's just so brazen. I haven't seen any the mayor say anything or the council come out with something new. But, you know, when people joke about defund, it's like, what happens when there is a police department? Everybody does everything right. They pass the ordinance. They And the police are like, we'll do whatever we want. Them what?
2: The mayor did say he wanted to meet with the police chief, the acting police chief, um, to understand why they had reversed the policy. And so, you know, I mean, to me, there is no I want to. There's I pick up the phone and call, and I'm like, what's going on? Um, You're the mayor. Yeah, You're listen, the mayor. Listen, I mean, it seems like I was just trying to read between the lines and read some of the linked things. It seems like before, you know how on the bottom of a lot of state license plates, it says, like in D.C., it says no taxation without representation in in Pennsylvania apparently it says visit pa or something some tourism slogan and if you had a custom license plate frame and your frame is blocking the the little slogan that was enough for police to pull people over Well, they've now gone back and said, no, it is only, you can only pull people over. It's only a problem if it's blocking identifying information, like the license plate number, right? Which makes sense. So that seems like you're trying to make sure that people are not just pulling people over for specious, you know, instances. And here the Pittsburgh police are doubling down saying, yep, we're going right back to pulling people over and, It just, it really, um, the whole, like, boost police morale, like, come on, bruh, are you reading the paper? Are you understanding where the temperature is in this country on policing? Like, this just seems completely out of control. And, you know, while the mayor has a response, it feels like too little and not timely and whatnot. And this is why people, I mean, this is why people ultimately are like, bump this, right? Because this is just on its face, it's ridiculous. And we're like, oh well. I'm just wondering, like
1: legally, okay. So if they're doing this, well if there's if there's a, a if there's legislation passed making it illegal for them to do this or barring them from doing this and they're still doing it doesn't that mean that like immunity protections wouldn't apply to these practices and that potentially you could have a class action suit against the Pittsburgh police department
2: yeah what happens what happens when the police violate the city ordinance like is there not a
1: right Right. Because you're not, because, you know, usual protections you would have, you do not. So I don't know. That's just if I had wish I had some extra time on my hands because I'd, I'd be in Pittsburgh trying to figure out how to sue the police. <laughs> it also is
0: just such like when they're like, it's not about public safety. It's they, they don't even pretend.
1: Morale, it's also, it's, like it's wow. to boost. It's like to boost morale. So what is that? You So y'all can go do what you want and beat people up and stop them because that's going to make y'all feel like that's going to make y'all feel better. Like, that's wild.
2: And my guess is this is not just happening. It's not just happening in Pittsburgh, right? This is happening in other places. Right. We need to be
1: right. Violent.
2: Well,
0: that's it. Thanks so much for tuning into to of the People this week. Tell your friends to check it out. Make sure to rate it wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or somewhere else. And we will see you next week. Potty the Brewer is a production of Crooked Media. It's produced by AJ Moultre and mixed by Veronica Simonetti. An executive produced by me. Special thanks to our weekly contributors, Kai Henderson, D.R. Ballinger, and Miles Johnson.
1: Want the same expert advice
2: you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what's the first thing that you'd do if you had a ton of extra time in a day? Maybe I'd take a nap, go for a run talk to some friends. Now, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time, but the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? Now, the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, help you process the world around you, help you think through the most important things, how you spend your time, where you spend your energy, especially your emotional energy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com people today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash people.